Hello, friends, and welcome to a vindictive episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. It's Patrick in Halifax, Nova Scotia. The humidex is like 35 degrees Celsius, and I'm wearing a sweater. Justin, you're in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. How you doing, bud? Doing great. Yeah, on my day off, so I'm. Uh, I have. This is the most work that I've done since last Friday. Must be nice. Uh, <laughs> I spent about an hour and a half working on all this shit for for this episode. So I'm glad you you glad you had all that rest. I'm glad I was able to watch you do all the work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we're all in good spirits today, which is nice, because this is going to be one of my favorite episodes to do. Uh, before we get into it, because there's no time to waste. Follow us on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. You can check us out on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Stitcher, TuneIn, and I'm sure there's a whole bunch more. Shout out to our fans in New Hampshire. Uh, I think I have shouted them out more than once this season, um, but I don't care. Go Fisher Cats. Uh, Justin, we have a quick little new segment to do and then we've got my favorite guest to bring back and i'm not going to tell you who it is because we're going to keep it in suspense until we actually get to that segment uh but in the meantime uh justin what's the news yeah a couple quick uh injury updates kevin biggio played in a rehab game for the bisons uh on the weekend hit a home run straight away center field that was great to see Thomas Hatch also pitched a couple innings to open that one as well. It was his first time pitching in a few weeks since he had been shut down with some tightness in his side. George Springer seems to be very close to uh, making that rehab assignment as well. He's been running the bases at full tilt, doing sprints in the outfield, taking uh, taking some, some, some fly balls as well. So uh, I predicted that on our last episode that we'd see him go on a rehab assignment this week. So I think I'm going to be right about that one. Uh, and then the Blue Jays also announced that they will be increasing the capacity at Salem Field to 80% for games from June 24th to July 31, which means that it uh, looks like the Jays are planning to be in Buffalo until at least the end of July. Out of that uh, 80% capacity, 95% of it will be for fully vaccinated seating sections, and the remaining 5% will be physically distanced seating, so the Jays are definitely encouraging people to uh, get a vaccine if they would like to come watch a ball game. And that's it for the news. That's terrific. You know what? There's going to be a week-long period where the Buffalo Bisons are going to kick the shit out of everybody because they're going to have Biggio Hatch uh, and George Springer all there at the same time. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, Well, without further ado, let's get right into the interview. Uh, You guys know him out there. If you're a fan of the Blue Jays, you're a fan of this man's work. Uh, we've had him on the show many times before. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at baseball, the number four brains. He is the co-editor of Jay's journal. He is also a terrific musician. You can check out all of his stuff on Spotify and the usual haunts for music. He is Chris Anderson. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. It's introductions like that that keep me coming back. <laughs> I mean, we try to lay it on very thick. I don't know if you heard our Ross Stripling mission, episode. Mission accomplished. We, yeah, we uh, we laid it on pretty thick for him too, and he was he had a great time, which is nice. So, uh, but you're our favorite. We love to have you come back on the show and bust our balls. Uh, Mostly yours, Patrick. But <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Me and my foolishness. So let's just dive right into it, boys. Uh, here we are at the one-third mark of the season, I guess you could say. 
the Toronto Blue Jays are in decent shape right now. We sit third in the American League or the American League East. Uh, we are six games back of the Tampa Bay Rays, who are now currently sitting at top of the pile. Uh, the Jays are thirty and twenty-seven, and we're two games back of the Houston Astros for that second wild card spot. We're in the middle of an absolute battle to the death with teams like Cleveland, the New York Yankees, Kansas City, and I guess you could count Seattle. They're not quite out of it yet. So, no one's out of it yet, except for Baltimore. Yeah. Well, the Rangers are also 11 games <laughs> yeah, back. They, I would say they that. I would, I, would, I would put the dirt on them. So, Chris Henderson, since you're the guest of honor today, um, how about we just, you know, give me, give me like a one sentence on uh, how you feel about the team so far. About what we should expect, given the circumstances. How's that? Totally fair. I mean, given all the injuries that we've had, <laughs> it's been a real yeah. shit show trying to cobble together rotation. Um, yeah. Justin Anderson, do you concur? Uh, I was going to say adequate, but not as good as it could be. Yeah, pretty similar thought. It does feel like yeah, this team should be better than it is. I was just but thinking also, at how many games we've blown in the light, like the eighth or ninth inning. So, yeah. Yeah, and now that we're <laughs> back at Salem, it kind of feels nice to be back in a ballpark where fans will actually cheer for the team because I think uh, playing in Tampa was a bit of a disaster. So the way that I sort of frame this whole segment for us is that we're going to look back at some of our predictions and topics from the beginning of the season. Uh, and we're just going to, I'm going to try to blow by them as quick as I can, just so that way I'm literally not dancing uh, atop both of your heads in victory. Wow. Um, but. <laughs> okay, bud. <laughs> that, that, that being said, we're going to start off with uh, a mega L for me. Uh, the first topic that we covered last time was TJ Zoic. Will he factor into the rotation? Will he be the fifth starter? I want to point out that technically I was right. He was the fifth starter. But then he bombed. <laughs> he bombed so horribly. He was buried in AAA, where he will probably remain the rest of the season. So, uh, Chris Henderson, feel free. Uh, this is this is your chance to uh, say I told you so. <laughs> oh no! I mean, hey, I think the Blue Jays were in a, a an interesting situation. There was a bit optimism about old TJ there at the start of the year. Um, I, I guess I wasn't one that bought into it, and, and uh, you know, I'm not right about everything, but on this case, I didn't think he'd last, and, and I guess he didn't. <laughs> yeah, you're right, and actually, he's treading water right now in AAA with a 4.35 ERA and 31 innings pitched, so nothing to write home about. Yeah, yeah. It, it's he, kind of, it's funny you like, you bring him up, because I haven't even given his name a second thought for a couple of weeks at least, and so I guess that's, he's just become a forgotten man, literally, in my brain. Hashtag yeah. free Manoa. Hashtag Manoa freed. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was it was long running that we were expecting Alec Manoa to get the call up. Uh, it did happen, and the performance was really good, and then one that was not so good, and that's okay. Uh, T.J. Zoik, on the other hand, really struggled. Uh, I guess a question uh, to move on uh, now is that is this the end of the T.J. Zoik era with the Toronto Blue Jays? Does he get? Has he been DFA'd officially? Nope, he's on the 40 man still. He's on the 40. Ooh, yikes. <laughs> the, uh, the less said, the better. Um, let's move on. Nate Pearson, <laughs> would he be a factor? Would his injury slow him down? Where will he play? I repeated many times what's the rush a million times and said he'd be in AAA. 
Uh, although we were all in agreement that Pearson was the better option at pitching than Tanner Rourke. We all got that one right. All right, Pete. <laughs> uh, Chris, you suggested that uh, after the Nate rehab, uh, he would join the team when he was ready. You were correct. Those things happened. Unfortunately for Nate, he had a really rough uh, go in his one start, and then he immediately returned to AAA, and he has since struggled mightily. Uh, mm. Chris, what would you say is going on with Nate Pearson? Uh, his value as a prospect is cratered. He went from being a top 10 prospect all the way down to number 38 in the most recent rankings. What do you think is going on? Did you set me up for this? Because I, I actually wrote about this a couple of days ago. Um, so I have a nice answer <laughs> for you. Um, you know, I think with Pearson, obviously the injuries have continued to be a factor in what's been holding him back from reaching his potential. Um, but in this case right now, what's I think part of what's going on is they try to do some tweaks to his mechanics and um, try to, you know, make some adjustments to help him avoid these injuries that continue to pop up. And as a result, I think he struggled a bit with his location, his command. Um, you know, so he's, he needs to take some time to, to, to adjust to these adjustments. And um, it maybe it's possible that what they've done with him right now isn't ultimately where he's going to sit. But uh, I still have faith in him long term. I think about him like a Roy Holiday type, but not to say that he's going to turn into a Hall of Famer. But as, as most Blue Jays fans know, Holiday had to go all the way back to single A uh, before he made his way back to the Blue Jays and, and became the perennial all-star that he was. And so I think what we need to do is just sort of change our, our expectations for Pearson and, and realize that he might not even really be a contributing factor in 2021 which is a big disappointment justin you you had similar sentiments uh to chris when we had, had spoken about the rehabbing and then him joining the team where do you land now as far as uh you know does nate make it back up to the show this year or do you think that he we kind of have to treat this year as sort of a wash uh, I, I wouldn't say it's a wash by any means. This is a development year for Nate. And if, if his development and his performance in AAA uh, dictates him coming back to the big leagues, then, yeah, I do think we'll see him again. But in what role, I don't know if we see him again as a starting pitcher this year. This might be a time that we see the Jays maybe bring him up into the bullpen once he does figure out these mechanical issues that are plaguing him right now. Uh, the team obviously needs some help with – a lot of our bullpen arms having tremendous injury history and obviously guys like Chatwood not performing well recently, uh, there may be a need to put him into that role this season in, in like a mid to late innings relief. Speaking of mid to late innings relief, that's an excellent transition. Uh, when Thank asked you. who the better option was uh, <laughs> for the starting rotation, I suggested Trent Thornton. Uh, now, Trent has started three games um, I believe two of them were as an opener, uh, and he has appeared in, uh, I think it's like 15 other games. Uh, he's some pretty good boys. Uh, is Trent Thornton out of the pen what we uh, kind of expected for him? Uh, and, uh, you know, do you think he ever bounces back into a starter role, given his... Uh, great deal of success out of the pen so far this year i'll throw it to you chris I, I think his career as a starter isn't necessarily over but i think right now the blue jays have been so desperate for effective bullpen arms that um that i can't see them moving them right now and that's you know all things considered that's probably the right thing to do 
with him. I mean, they could probably use his, his uh, talents in the rotation too, but as the season goes on, I think they're going to have to address it in different ways anyway. And so and this is a case where I wouldn't fix what hasn't been broken. Yeah, it's a good point. Justin Anderson, uh, 2.54 ERA in 18 games played. Uh, not bad. Trent Thornton uh, is somebody that you and I have talked about uh, a billion times on this podcast since the 2019 season. Do you think he is much better suited to the bullpen given his repertoire? Yeah, I- I'm going to give us a similar answer to what I just said for Nate Pearson. I just think that the need in the pen is way too... Uh, too great right now to even think about him as a starting pitcher and yeah because he hasn't struggled in the relief role I don't think that we need to change that Um, obviously we've seen the Jays try to make bullpen guys into starting pitchers before or vice versa they've had to just convert starters into bullpen guys I think it as Hendo just said too if it it isn't broken then why bother And, and right now the rotation's in a pretty good place um, we've got four guys who are who have been doing reasonably well. Uh, if you include Ross Stripling in that in that group, the last few starts anyway for him, um, and Alec Manoa, if he can get get things going again like he did in his first start, obviously that'd be five guys who are capable of doing great things. So I just think it's it's smart to just leave Thornton where he is. Yeah, I think we're all on board with that one. Uh, it's interesting to see him fall into that role, and I think he'll stay there for the rest of the year. So looking forward, having an arm like Thornton, who does have the capability of eating a large number of innings in a single appearance, gives us a lot of versatility out of the pen, which initially for us was a strength. Uh, What wasn't a strength when we first started talking was our rotation. And I can recall very distinctly uh, Chris Henderson asking who our top three pitchers were if Nate wasn't in the mix. Uh, and this is where I get to take my victory lap, boys. I said Hanjin Ryu, Robbie Ray, and Steven Matz was going to be in the picture. Lo and behold, Steven Matz is 6-3 and three with a 4.50 ERA. Admittedly, not terrific. Uh, he is king, close to nine guys uh, per nine inning or something like that. Now, Chris, you said by the end of May we would be mad at Steven Matz. Are we mad at him, given the fact that he has been so hot and cold? I wouldn't say they were mad at him. Like, I do think he's been better than I expected. Um, I, I don't want to, I still don't want to look to him as, uh, as a top three starter, even as the number three guy. Uh, you know, I, I would be much more comfortable with him as a, as a four, or ideally even a five. Um, but I, I'll be more than willing to admit he's been better than, than I expected that he would be. Justin Anderson, we have talked many times about Matt's when he's been bad and Matt's when he has been good. What do you see from him? Uh, going forward for the rest of the season that you like? And if you could pick one thing to change, what would it be? Yeah, I think for me, um, I would like to see him really just be more aggressive. I think that in the start yesterday, was it it his start yesterday? He just seemed to get ahead of a batter and then he would start nibbling and rather than rather just attacking them i don't know i just feel like when pitchers start to do that with two strikes they just that's where they get into trouble i mean we saw him give him a couple of home runs on pitches that i didn't think were the best selection uh going inside to altuve is never a good idea because that's where he hits the ball because he's like five foot two so um <laughs> if you put the ball over the middle of the plate, you have a hard time hitting it just because you can't, can't reach the damn thing so I, I just think that uh some aggression needs to be had he's had pretty good fastball velocity and he's done a good job of um, 
of keeping the guys uh, keeping the runners on base from scoring so I, I feel like for him the long ball is where he's been getting into trouble he hasn't given up a ton of them but it seems that recently anyway most of the runs that he does give up are just like a solo shot and then he'll kind of give up three or four hits in a row but i don't know i think for him it's just a consistency piece we've had way too many starts that have been very good like his last time in new york and then starts like yesterday where he just seems to battle for four innings and not be able to do anything right so i think just consistency is what i want to see from steven matz yeah there there was a point where i think he was five and one or five and two and then he's had two he's had a good start then a stinky start a good start then a stinky start and it's a coin flip right now yeah that lack of consistency is really going to hurt us in the long term uh, especially when we get to the point where, like, we need to win baseball games against teams like the Orioles, we can't afford to have our starters. Think of think of this outings. scenario: What if the Blue Jays are in a position at the end of the season where they need to win like their last two games to get into the playoffs, and they have to start like Hunjin Ryu and Robbie Ray in those two games, who are their two best starting pitchers right now, and then that leaves a guy like Stephen Matz as potentially like a wild card starting pitcher? I would not feel comfortable with that because, like I just said, it's a coin flip. If we don't know what's going to happen, like he could strike out 10 over six innings or he could give, could give up four home runs in the first three innings. Uh, and it would be like last year's playoffs where it could be just over like before it began kind of thing. So, yeah. This is this is an interesting subplot that we've generated here. Chris yeah. Anderson, if you find uh, – if, if you see the Jays in this position at the end of the year, how jazzed are you to start Steven Matz in the wildcard game? Or do you, do you roll the dice on Alec Benoit? I think if uh, Steven Matz is starting a wild card game, then Ross Atkins has failed. You know, like truly. I mean, I, I'm okay with Steven Matz being like a fourth starter in a playoff rotation, but if the Blue Jays are in a position where they're going to make the playoffs or, or close, even that they're going to compete, then they have to go and get another starting pitcher. Um, you know, going into the road into the playoffs with a top four of of Ryu, Ray, Matz, and Manoa isn't isn't trying to win. And so they've got a roster, they spend money, you know, that justifies at the very least going out and finding someone in the same ilk as a Taiwan Walker or a Robbie Ray like they got last year. Fair. And it's good foreshadowing for our lightning round of questions. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to catching. Uh, we talked a lot the about segues Danny Jansen. we're doing well. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> Danny Jansen, we talked a lot about how he had a long leash as far as uh, being our starting catcher. Obviously, the hitting's not there, um, and we all kind of agreed he did have a long leash. However, one day ago, uh, a Jays Journal headline, Blue Jays, has Danny Jansen lost the starting catcher's gig, uh, written by Chris Henderson. So I know you're ready to talk about this. Uh, let's do it. Danny Jansen, is he done as our starting catcher? I wouldn't say that he's done, but what was the update uh today how was his injury because that plays from what i saw okay because obviously that's going to factor big into whatever happens i I know it was a hamstring strain that they said that he left the game with on sunday so um regardless i think you know i think the blue jays are in a position where again if they're planning on being contenders they need to address the position somehow i don't think reese uh, mcguire is going to be the answer for anything more than a band-aid um and jansen's just not hitting so uh, if you, that means you go out one one guy, I'll throw out a name, and hopefully I'm right later in the year, and I can dance about it. Uh, but one guy that I've that I think the Jays should keep an off an eye on is uh, Jan Gomes in Washington. I mean, the Nationals are not looking like they're going to be in the race, and he's on an expiring contract, and 
we stupidly traded him away years ago. So <laughs> um, I could see a guy like that kind of being brought in on a low low cost and kind of solidifying that position, at least for the playoffs. Justin Anderson, where do you land on the Jan Gomes uh, return uh, parade? Hey, he's my he's my backup catcher to JT Realmuto on my dynasty team. So I've long been a, a watcher of Jan Gomes. So I, I wouldn't hate that. But I would like to point out that in his last 15 games, Danny Jansen is hitting 294. So um, the regression has been positive. It also has an OPS over 700, or just a, just about 800 in that time. So, yeah, take that, yeah. Danny Jansen haters. If he's injured, we're in we're If in he's trouble. injured, we're in trouble because Ravi Adams and Reese McGuire are going to be our catching tandem. And uh, Reese McGuire, well, he was off to a good start. I think he has, like, two hits in the last seven games, something like that. So, um yeah, that's about where I'll leave that. <laughs> Shout Hasn't out though to that uh, that actual that article that you wrote, Chris, because it actually does provide quite a bit of insight as far as Danny Jansen goes and sure where did. he fits into everything. So, uh, sure, you know, thank you. Little pl- little plug here. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, check it out. Um, well, and for what it's worth, um, I, I'm a Danny Jansen fan. I've long thought he would be the guy, he, but um, he just hasn't been grabbing. You know, he hasn't been hitting well enough to justify starting. I'm glad, you know, he has been hitting a little better. 294, 15 games. You're right. <laughs> but, I mean, but, man. Boba I mean, Shett's hitting 197 over that time, by the way. Well, and but you got oh. some stat sheets in front of you. How many base runners has Jansen thrown out, though, yeah. too? So, Two to 19. You, you know, but how many of those yeah, base runners have been, been against pitchers who suck at getting the ball to home? <laughs> yeah. I know. No, There's I know. a lot of like arguments I said, I'm a catching. Jansen fan. Yeah, I, I'm a Jansen fan, and I don't necessarily want to be like done with him forever by any means. But I think unless the situation drastically improves, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Blue Jays address that yeah. before the playoffs. One thing that I always say, I, I I've umpired a lot of baseball, and I've seen way more pitchers who are bad at holding base runners than catchers who are yeah. able to throw to throw them out. So, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a strength though wasn't it of both mcguire and danny jansen in at least in minor Has league been. development well and even in their early part of their big league careers they've both been better than they have in this year very and, you true. know you think with a rotation full of lefties that they'd be better at it but they're not it's yeah a lot of the bullpen is the bad guys for the, the culprits for giving up steals so true yeah. Well, but anyway, what a coincidence. That's the next topic is the bullpen. So the closer <laughs> oh, role, obviously, Yates uh, disintegrated. Uh, we can, you know, we haven't and don't need to talk about him. Pour uh, one anymore. out for Kirby Yates as a Blue Jay. Pour one out for Kirby yeah. Yates as a Blue Jay. Probably not going to come back. Um, we all said correctly that Jordan Romano was going to be our closer. Um, uh, Chris, you mentioned you love his routine. Uh, it is kind of cool that he's a bit of a psycho. Um, I <laughs> yeah, love it. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I'm a huge uh, fan of that, especially the closing guy. <laughs> yeah, I, it's something about guys like uh, Jordan Romano, and, and in years past, Boomer Wells used to have grenades in his locker uh, when he was a Blue Jay. That's kind of a kind of. I, I don't know if we're quite on that level yet, but it's kind of <laughs> cool to it's cool to see the the guys have eclectic personalities. Uh, we did close by committee for a long time just because Romano wasn't available all day, every day, because uh, he was, I think, injured at some point. Indeed. Uh, so Dolis and Romano lead the team with three saves apiece. 
Um, injuries have really ravaged the bullpen, uh, as well as the rotation. Uh, Chris Sanderson, uh, how confident are you on a scale of 1 to 10 with Jordan Romano as our principal closer for the rest of the year? Well, I mean, I, I like him in that role, and I think it's a role that he needs to take for the long term. You know, he's probably not quite at the point where he's a lockdown guy. You know, he still maybe needs to find some of that consistency as well. But um, I think given more and more opportunities throughout the season, he's just going to get better. He does appear to be improving as time goes on. Uh, there was another interesting uh, conversation that we had regarding the bullpen. Uh, you brought up that you were a big fan of Ryan Baraki. Justin, you echoed this sentiment as well. Uh, either one of you, uh, how pleased are you with Ryan Baraki? Uh, he has a 4.05 ERA, which is actually a result of a t- terrible performance early in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is sporting 3-1 record. Uh, and he has pitched in 13 and a third innings. Uh, do we still like Ryan Barucki? Are we still on board with him in the pen? I think when he's healthy, we like Ryan Barucki. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, I think he's a great lefty to have. You know, he uh, he's been was throwing harder than ever, and uh, I think some of those numbers are misleading because, like you said, he had a bad outing. But yeah, prior to getting hurt, uh, I think he was, uh, you know, I think he was filling that role nicely. It's interesting. He and Thornton are almost in similar roles uh, and performing quite similarly uh, successfully out of the bullpen, but they do have the capability to be starters. Uh, Obviously, we don't want them to be the solution to our starting problem in the long term, especially if we're going to try to make the playoffs. Uh, But having starters in the pen, uh, is this what Nate Pearson can look forward to? Or is this... Uh, are we just sort of retreading over uh, over the same subject here again uh, with Nate? Hey, it worked for Aaron Sanchez, so it did. It did work for Aaron Sanchez. And, and for what it's worth, I don't think Ryan Brucky will ever be a starting pitcher again. I think that door has firmly been shut. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't put him in that conversation. But yeah, for sure, Thornton could be a starting pitcher. We've seen him give us two innings of relief sometimes a little bit more than that he can still throw probably 50 pitches he's probably stretched out easily for that um but yeah i could i i could see pearson in that role but i i do think that yeah thornton and brecky have both done great jobs and hopefully brecky can get throwing again soon and get back in here before the end of july at least would be great i think i think i read that he was close to starting to throw his starting yeah. throwing program this week or something. I think I read that yesterday. I think so you're correct. Yeah. He should be back before the end of June, I think. That would be ideal. Well. There's no setbacks. Yeah. yeah. No, and to answer your question, you know, I think in Pearson's case in particular and uh, is I think the most important thing is for the guy to find some success this year. I mean, obviously he's found some huge roadblocks with injuries and with some mechanical tweaks. and So if they can have some great starts for him in AAA and kind of get him going and if that means he's got to join the bullpen and uh, kind of end the year on a positive note and start fresh in 22 again, then so be it. I mean, we've seen tons of Blue Jays starters do that historically, whether it was, you know, going back to the glory days, guys like David Wells and Pat Hankin and Al Leiter and Todd Stottlemyre, they all started out of the bullpen um, at the beginning of their careers. So it won't hurt. Yeah, um, totally agree. Uh, things we all got wrong. Rowdy Telez on not on pace for 400 at bats. Uh, he has not looked very good at the plate, and uh, we were all kind of hoping Vladdy would see a lot of time at third. That wasn't the problem. He's been a phenomenal first baseman. Uh, how happy are you with Vladdy at first, Hendo? 
Oh, I mean, how can you not be ecstatic? The guy's been everything that we kind of dreamed he would be. He's he's embraced that first base role, and, and I like the challenge. I never once said I wanted him at third base. I don't think I've I have ever endorsed that thought. But uh... no, I kind of <laughs> lumped you. I kind of lumped you in with Justin and I, who were optimistic oh, okay. about third. Uh, but I, I, to be fair, I to be fair, I thought it'd be cool if he could play there, you know, once once every couple time. of weeks on yeah. an off day or something. <laughs> yeah. But I think right now he's becoming like the obviously we're seeing a superstar being born here, and you just don't mess with a superstar anymore, other than giving him a day off as a DH and let him play first base, let him be awesome at it, and let him just mash the ball when he's at the plate, and and uh, we're good. The other one that we struggled with was Kavan Biggio, expecting him to improve uh, on his performance the year before. Um, Chris, you said he was an above-average hitter, key hitter in the lineup. Uh, still mm. absolutely the case. However, he's hitting 205. Justin Anderson, uh, you suggested uh, maybe in the five-hole uh, as the hitter. I'd be down for that if he could improve his batting average. Um, but what do you see Kavan's role as now, uh, third of the way through the year, uh, through the rest of the year? Is he our, like, obligate third baseman because nobody else can uh, seize the opportunity? Or is there something else? Definitely third base, especially with Springer nearing return. I don't. I think the days of seeing Biggio in the outfield, they're likely over. Um, obviously, when he was playing out there, I, I believe Hernandez was basically still on the COVID list. So it's been a while since we, we've always seen Kevin in the outfield too. But I think, yeah, we, we've seen Panic and Espinal both struggle offensively. I mean, Panic's had a few good offensive games. Obviously, he had a four-hit game. He's had a couple of three-hit games, but then he'll go over for two in a row. Um, and he doesn't take a lot of walks. I, I just feel like Biggio is the better long-term option. And obviously, for later in the game, you, having that defensive flexibility allows for double switches, a lot of different moves that can be made. Um, I, I think Biggio should hit 7th or 8th when he comes back ahead of the catcher spot just because of the fact that we'll have Springer back. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I was I was big wrong on the 5 the five spot. I think that's where Bo Bichette should be when Springer comes back due to his struggles. But, yeah, that's a story for another day. Thinks we all got right. Marcus Samin, which one were we going to see, 2019 or 2020? Uh, Chris, you said split the difference. I said he would be good. Justin concurred. We were all correct to some extent. Uh, he ended up having uh, the main player of the month award given to him uh, for all of MLB. How happy are we all with Marcus Samin? And does he make for a delicious trade bait if this team can't get over the hump the next 20 games? Man, I haven't thought about Samin as tra trade bait, but I suppose he would be pretty, pretty delicious trade bait, as I think you put it if the Blue Jays do happen to fall out of the race. But, I mean, there again, it's like Guerrero. I mean, how could you be any more happy with what the Blue Jays have got? <laughs> he's been a perfect fit. He's He's been better than he was in 2019 and, and uh, far better than I ever expected. The only uh, the only real problem is now they only have him signed for one year. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah there's there's uh, no long-term value on that contract, and I I, I don't know about you, Hendel, but I, or Patrick. I don't see any way that he comes back next season just because of probably no, the financials no. and obviously with the the plethora of, of prospects in, in his wake. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, given the fact that the Blue Jays could – they have Biggio that could play second or third, and then there's Austin Martin, Jordan Grosshands um, coming up. They're probably not – those two might not be ready for next season, but I don't think the Blue Jays are going to give Sammy in the five- or six-year deal that he's going to be looking for and, and probably deserves. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, it's been a beautiful one year marriage, and that's probably all it's going to be. Hot and heavy for a short while. Yeah. <laughs> Terrific. Summer so, uh, we're getting into the lightning round here, boys, but before we get into that, uh, so let's talk about what we guessed the records would be uh, for the whole year. I said 84 and 78. Although the first time around I said 84 and 77 because apparently one game would be canceled forever uh, because I'm terrible at math. Justin, you said 90 wins. Chris, you said 89. And that the AL kind of sucks. You were totally right about that. Right now the Jays are on pace for 85 wins. So here we are, one-third of the way through the year, 30 and 27. Are the Jays where you expected them to be? Yeah, more or less. I mean, I... I I, hope, I thought they might be a little bit better situation, but to be fair, when I was making my early season predictions, I didn't look at the schedule, and uh, the Blue Jays have a dirty, dirty schedule for the first dirty. third of the season. Yeah. They, they haven't played the Orioles yet, uh, so they still have 19 games against that garbage, you know, a garbage, I shouldn't call them that, but you know what I mean? They're, they're the, the clear worst team. Call them what they are. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're the clear <laughs> worst team in the American League and in the division. And So, I mean, we've had a, the Blue Jays have had a brutal uh, first third of the schedule so given the injuries and the difficulty of, of um, just their opponents so far I think um, I think they're in decent shape yeah we, I mean we haven't played have we played Detroit yet we haven't played nope. Minnesota no nope. we only played a few against the Angels we haven't touched Seattle yet so we, we've we've had a lot of games against the Red Sox the Astros we've had six against now obviously the Yankees the Rays Rays the Indians we played like we've played all the teams who are basically at the same record as us or higher mm-hmm. right now, uh, and then yeah. obviously we've played some and great up on teams like Atlanta. Teams yeah, we went six and zero against the Braves <laughs> as we all predicted. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's it's really it's really hard to say that the Jays have played poorly, and I, I do think that yeah, when we get into this easier stretch leading into the All Star break, the potential for the Jays to win two thirds of their games for the next month and a half is definitely pretty high. I, I would put it at a pretty high rate of, of the chances that it happens just based on the upcoming games. So a couple of things, uh, food for thought, I guess you could say. Uh, keep in mind that given the number of games left in the season, uh, the Jays would have to go 60 and 35 the rest of the way to get to 90, win- 90 wins, uh, which is looking like it'll be the wild card total uh, I don't know if the division would necessarily be in sight with 90 wins, uh, uh, barring some sort of total collapse from Tampa. But that being said, 60 and 35, if you look at our strength of schedule and all those juicy games against Baltimore and Detroit and Minnesota, I'm liking our chances, boys. I like it a lot. Uh, who's Agreed. been the biggest surprise, positive surprise so far this year? Uh, you giving it to Samin, Guerrero, Ray, Mats, Grichuk, uh, Chris Anderson. Who's the biggest surprise? I mean, I. This sounds stupid. Well, I'll, I'll I'll split it. I guess Sammy and I didn't expect him to be as good as he's been. But uh, Vlad, I mean, I thought I was hoping to see positive progression from Vlad. I wasn't expecting an MVP caliber <laughs> um, production over the first third of the season. And the most encouraging thing is it hasn't been like short. It hasn't been streaky or it hasn't been anything. It looks like he's completely owning the fact that he's one of the best hitters in the world right now. And. I don't. I don't think there's any turning back now that he knows how good he can be. Justin, hundred percent. Yeah, for me, it's gotta be Vlad. I mean, I've talked about it pretty much every episode that we've done, Patrick. It's to to go from a guy who was struggling to pick up any ball at first base out of the dirt, or just to 
choose which balls to go for uh, to a guy who was smacking everything two feet in front of home plate and just jamming balls into the ground uh, to go to what he's doing now where he's hitting over 330 and tied for the league league in home runs leading the American League in pretty much every offensive category him and him and Samin are by the way both tied in terms of position player uh, baseball reference war right now they both had a 3.1 so um, right. they've had pretty similar value seasons and, and of course they've formed the right side of a, what's what's been a the better side of the infield defensively anyway. So I, I wouldn't have predicted the success at first base or with the bat to this, to this extent, as Hendo said. So Vladdy has to be the biggest surprise for the Blue Jays, positively anyway. And yeah. you know what? Now that I have to throw one further thought in there too. Um, I do think that's all correct. But the other guy would be Randall Grichuk. Yeah, um, we were wrong I didn't about expect Randall. him. Yeah, no, I, I'll be the first to admit that I was – that Randall has done what I thought Rowdy would do. Uh, they've just swapped roles, and so I was wrong about that. <laughs> Rowdy died so that Randall could live. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. It was the, the trade-off of some sort of dark magic. Yeah. That's yeah. actually my answer to this question, because I wanted to go super off-road for this. It would be too easy to say Vladdy, and you guys have already kind of dunked uh, both of those answers. So I'm going to go with Grichuk simply because... Uh, losing George Springer to this recurring injury, whatever it is, details seem to be sparse, uh, which is a bit frustrating. Um, but yeah, Grichuk has been terrific. Uh, definitely at the plate, uh, his defense, eh, I say yeah, okay. Um, but the fact that we've gotten this from him, uh, yeah. given the situation, terrific. Love it. Absolutely. Uh, who's been the biggest disappointment? There's a lot of needs for consideration, uh, whether it's Kevon Vigio, Rowdy Telez, Nate Pearson, Danny Jansen. Uh, if you want to throw Reese McGuire in there, you can. Uh, I'm going to go first on this one, and I'm really going to piss you guys off by saying my biggest disappointment has been the total lack of George Springer. Uh, I was so excited for this signing. Uh, and then, <laughs> boom, right out of the gate, We've seen him in what six games, four, four. five, four, three and four three, games, and three and two thirds. Yeah. So three and three two thirds games. This guy we're paying him what thirty million dollars. I understand he's injured and there's very little he can do about it. But man, it just sucked the fun out of uh, a big signing not to have Springer in the lineup. I know when he's back, he's gonna do what he's supposed to do. He's going to hit 260. He's going to mash. He's going to do all these things. Um, but is he going to hit better than Randall Grichuk uh, has been hitting in his place? I don't know. Obviously, he's a must start, but I'm just frustrated. Uh, do you guys want to chime in? Uh, you have every right to be frustrated. And most of my my frustration these days when it comes to that situation is with the, the Blue Jays. I mean, I don't understand how that guy could come back and play on April 28th, and here we are. You know, the only thing that happened in those three and a half games he played was he had to run the first at full speed once. <laughs> and as soon as yeah. he did that, he got hurt. So what the hell was he doing on the field to begin with? So yep. like that, I, I, in fact, I wrote an article about that the other day too. And, and ironically enough, people saw the title and immediately thought I was saying we shouldn't have signed him. But uh, I, it was asinine that he was on the field at that point. Um, and, you know, it is disappointing. But hopefully, hopefully he'll be like the huge... The huge uh, trade pickup that we, you know, get be that kind of boost. 
adds to the team. Yeah, that's that's probably basically what it will be when Corner he does come back. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, Teoscar or, or Lourdes can. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that way. Then all of a sudden, you're you've got another dangerous hitter in the lineup, and and because Rowdy hasn't grasped that DH spot, then then uh, away you go. Yeah, and, and for my biggest disappointment, I'm I'm going to go with Rowdy Tellez. Um, when you're hitting 205, and you you got sent down to the trip to AAA because you could hit anything and then you've come back and it's crazy for me that rowdy has like hit he's hit over 300 against lefties and under 200 against righties yeah. like what is up with that i mean when we keep starting him he's against been that righties, way for a pitchers. long time though yeah we, and we keep starting him against righties yeah. like i don't know like did the blue jays not look at the splits um are we <laughs> yeah, that no, stuck weird. in the he's traditions hit lefties. <laughs> yeah yeah no, he's always hit lefties pretty decently for whatever reason. But my left-handed batter, uh, I don't know. I just, like, I, I can't get over the fact that the guy was supposed to be basically our, our DH this year and spell Vladdy at first base every now and then, not that he needs that anymore. So I just feel like Ruddy did himself no favors. He, he made it very easy to be disposable, and that's exactly what he is right now. As soon as George Springer comes back, Rowdy is back to first base fill in when Vlad needs to DH that's that's all his role is going to be or late inning yeah. pinch hitter for Danny Jansen when there's runners on and maybe a a left-handed hit left-handed pitcher because we don't I don't think you should pitch at him against righties because he sucks but uh yeah I just feel like Rowdy's <laughs> Rowdy has done nothing to prove his value zero he's, he's if anything he's done things to prove that he's not valuable so yeah yeah I, I hope that he I hope that he gets regular playing time for the next month, like however long it takes before Springer gets back, because at this point I think he might be trade bait. And so if he can improve his stock a little bit, maybe he can be a piece of a puzzle to Man, bring it, back a pitcher. It could something. be less than two weeks before Springer's back if he goes on rehab this week. That's yeah, true. yeah. No, I'm just hoping that he gets hot and hits for, for a bit and shows people that he It would can. be nice. Yeah. Yeah. But, and to quickly answer your question uh, for the biggest disappointment, I'll do this very quickly. Um, mine would be Biggio. I mean, I thought the guy would battle for a, a top two hitting spot in the order just with how good his on base percentage has been. But he really struggled. Uh, I said he was an above average hitter. And so far, he's making me look bad by saying that. He's had a hard time hitting fastballs. He's looked lost at the plate for somewhere, good chunks of the season. So somewhere keeps I'm hoping that when, laughing. yeah. Yeah. Well, and I hope that, uh, you know, like, other guys when they've come back from a an IL stint rather um, hopefully he comes back and he's a new guy with a readjustment and here, here's hoping. That is the hope the last one we'll cover uh, speaking of trading and trade bait and things like that is now the time to pull the trigger on a big trade obviously we all know what gaps need to be filled in the lineup whether or not uh, you consider uh, relief pitching or starting pitching to be number one uh, they're certainly both number one and number two in some order. Um, where do we find the solutions, boys? Is it internal? Is it external? Uh, do we pull the trigger and get someone like uh, Yerman Marquez out of Colorado or Luis Castillo out of Cincinnati? Uh, or, you know, do we just bide our time and, and maybe use Marcus Samin as a, a, a trade piece? Yeah, I mean, I think ideally the Blue Jays would would go out and do something now they could use a reinforcement the, i mean the rotation's okay at the moment but uh, certainly could use a boost um but the problem is, is there's not a lot of teams that are that are admitting defeat already there are a handful you know like the orioles and uh, possibly the rockies and a few other teams in the nl but the thing about waiting till july is it'll open up the options a little bit more 
and uh, hopefully what they've got in the rotation right now, hopefully Manoa can continue to be, you know, can look more like the first start than the second start, and hopefully Matt's can still be better than more often than not. Um, but if they can make it to July, I think their their uh, options will certainly improve when it comes to improving the rotation. Yeah, the only guy I would strike for right now might be Luis Castillo. He's pitched so poorly this year that it could be another good Pete Walker trademarked reclamation project. Um, yeah. That would be the only guy that I think that, that you could strike for right now before he does figure something out and ends up getting hot before the trade deadline. Well, and I think you're, yeah, I would agree with, with, although Castillo would scare me for this year, but I still yeah. would definitely trade for him if the option, if the opportunity came up. But I do think the Rockies, like, you know, with Marquez, as you mentioned, and maybe John Gray could be an option for right now. But, um, you know, if you wait till July, then you might be able to go after a Max Scherzer type or, you know, something like that. Very so true. There could be better options if you, if you can get through the next month and still be improving on your playoff position. Interesting. Anybody want to readjust their Jays record expectations? This is our sort of, I guess, our last stop on uh, the lightning round here. So anybody want to change their predictions? No. 60 and 35. You said 87? You said 89, Hendo. I said 89? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, no. You know what, man? Uh, no, I'll stay with that. I, I think their schedule is looking better, and they're going to be healthier in the second half. And I think I'll stick with where I was. Yeah, when we rattle off 11 straight wins sometime here soon, uh, 60 and 35 is not going to look too bad the rest of the way. Yeah, you guys are right, and I think you nailed it way back at the beginning of the year with your predictions. Uh, my 84 and 78 was pretty darn conservative. It looks great right now, but I would say within the next month and a half, uh, I'm going to look really, really stupid because we're going to have uh, a record something like 55 and 35. Uh, and we'll be competing for uh, definitely that wild card position, if not the division lead, because we've got a. I mean, I think you've said schedule. way. I think you've said way stupider things than that, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to give me the Stephen Matz at least, or Trent Thornton. I'll take Trent Thornton as my big W. Okay, I'll I'll give you Thornton. All right, well, perfect. We'll make an episode of the Matz another time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's where we'll leave it off. Chris Henderson, thank you again for coming on. It's always a genuine pleasure to have you on. Would you like to plug some of your socials and what you've got going on? Yeah, for sure. You can always check us out at jaysjournal.com. We've got a great team of writers and uh, yeah, some new voices on the website, so be sure to check us out. Check us out. We're always uh, always active, and you can always find me on, on Twitter, uh, throwing around my opinions. It's baseball and the number four and then brains, so baseball for brains. Always a pleasure, boys. Thanks for coming on, Justin Anderson. Let's get into the farm report. Yes, let us indeed get into the farm report. Uh, today, Patrick Marsh, Baseball America issued an update to the top 100 prospects. We now have eight names ranging from 14 to 82 in the rankings. Uh, Austin Martin is still the top-ranked Blue Jay prospect at number 14. Big movers, Gabriel Mourinho, the, our catcher in double A right now is up to 36. Right behind him at 37 is recent call up Alec Manoa. And then right behind Alec Manoa, falling down the rankings at 38 is Nate Pearson. So we've got four guys in the top 40, with two guys that have moved up quite a bit, and one guy in Nate Pearson who's fallen off. Um, it's interesting to note that our top two prospects, all playing, they're both playing in double A New Hampshire right now. 
Manoa is obviously in the MLB, and Pearson is with the Bisons again in AAA. At 52nd, Simeon Woods Richardson. I believe that's a little bit of a move up for him. Uh, followed closely at 56 by his AA teammate, Jordan Groshans. Alejandro Kirk, who is currently on the MLB 60-day IL, is at 63. And then Arelvis Martinez, who not enough people are talking about, is doing quite well at low A Dunedin right now. So four of these guys, Patrick, are playing every day in AA New Hampshire. Um, two of them are MLB players in Manoa and Kirk. And then we've got a AAA arm in Pearson, who obviously could be in the MLB if not for some mechanical issues. And then one guy below that uh, is Martinez, is the only guy that is not a double A or above in the current top 100. So the system is definitely uh, high level loaded right now in terms of our top prospects. So even though the Jays are looking to potentially make some moves this year, there's a lot of help that could impact the team as recently as next season. What are your thoughts on these rankings? Uh, some of it I'm surprised with. Doesn't it kind of feel lazy that uh, 36, 37, and 38 are all Blue Jays? Like some some writer ran out of steam or something and was just like, J, J, J. And no, I, I don't think it's lazy at all. If it's, it's, it's hard to fathom, though, that Alec Manoa immediately rises to 37 and Nate Pearson falls to 38. Like I'm not quite sure I agree with that. I do agree that Nate Pearson's value is cratered. Yeah. Um, but to go from like 10 to 38. Keep in mind, Patrick, these these rankings, they kind of work like they're kind of almost like a power ranking where it's kind of like a what have you done for, for me lately, especially with Fair. guys who have reached the upper levels of the minors and maybe even MLB like Pearson has. And what he, what has he done for us lately is not a lot. So um, yeah, sure. the 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 fire extinguisher is out trying to put Nate Pearson's stock um out right now <laughs> and it's not working he's he's burning right now yeah do you do you ever reach a point this is uh maybe i should have brought this up when we talked to uh to chris henderson but is there any point where you're like hmm, maybe i trade nate pearson while he still has value no or is it firm no uh, firm firm no because it's still too soon to give up on nate pearson as a starting pitcher let alone to try him as a reliever, like you, like you've seen with obviously the Mets did pretty well with uh, uh, Sean Reed. Foley. Sean Reed Foley, yeah, thank you, Jesus, how did I remember that? <laughs> After going from the biggest SRF stand to not being able to remember his name, but yeah, I was th- I kept I kept looking at my screen and seeing Simeon Woods Richardson as SWR on here, and I got really confused. Um, yeah. A couple of three digit guys, uh, but yeah, no, like we, we, we've seen some recent success of obviously Thornton and Baraki. Like we just spent some time talking about with Hendo too in the bullpen. So the, there's still too much value internally for Pearson before you ever consider trade, consider trading him. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, at, it, at some point though, management has to decide whether or not they're done collecting assets, uh, and whether or not they're going to start utilizing these assets to, get some equity in the current MLB roster. It's great to have so many shortstops uh, in the top 100 prospects for baseball, but they can't all play at shortstop uh, when, you know, they graduate in one to two years. Uh, yeah. Those, and I, that role is already filled. I see. I see Aravis Martinez as a big trade piece just because of that. As he is behind Bichette, Martin Groshans as a shortstop. So, uh, I could see Ralph Martinez getting flipped in the next year or so, 
as a potential trade piece, especially now that he's accruing a lot of prospect value. Yeah, um, he could be he could crack the top fifty by the end of next year. It's not impossible. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, and and looking not to the farm, but to the current club, the Jays didn't have a great series against the Astros. Patrick, uh, obviously Zach Greinke dunked on us in game one with the complete game only blemish was a gritchick home run uh ryu was rocked in that game uh give up a grand slam to martin maldonado of all people who's hitting below 200 on the season basically the astros version of denny jansen um game two our boys our boy strips had a great start five, another five solid innings the jays managed to win that one six to two uh and then yesterday the Jays got dominated by uh, Garcia for the first five innings of the game, really, until he had uh, he had to actually leave. Apparently, he was coughing on the mound, so they pulled him out because he wasn't feeling well. And that's the only reason that we got to the Astro bullpen and scored a couple of mercy runs in the eighth inning. Um, I also looked like he was going to go quite far in that game, too. Uh, Steven Matz gave up a couple of home runs, including a leadoff shot to uh, Altuve. Uh, walked four batters, only struck out three, just really bowed his command. The, the umpiring was not great yesterday. Uh, I pulled up the umpire scorecard this morning. It was favoring Houston a little bit, but all of the, the major pitches that went against the team all went against the Blue Jays, whether it was in terms of Vladdy getting a, a strike two call that was about six inches off the plate or Matt's not getting calls that were clearly strikes. Uh, but you can't fault the umpires when your team uh, gives up home runs. They don't do that pitchers do so yeah it was uh, a rough series lost two out of three but we get to move on and go play the white Sox now who are pretty good any closing thoughts on the astro series uh there are some positives uh vladdy continued to be hot uh and ross stripling got a second win uh another solid performance from him uh he did mention a little bit uh in his post-game interview that he got knocked around uh, but it was mostly singles and soft contact and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm all aboard the uh, the Stripling Express. Uh, he's he's slotted in nicely into the rotation, and I'm looking forward to his next start. Yeah, that ERA has dropped from like seven to below five in his last three outings. So uh, positive improvements across the board. You'll love to see that. Yep. Trent Thornton had a two inning relief appearance where he struck out three in the same very same game. Uh, Tim Meza also had a great performance in that game, one inning, uh, threw up zeros. Welcome back to the Goose Egg Gang, Tim Meza. Uh, Dolis had a bit of an adventure, uh, but uh, he, you know, uh, he closed out the game. wasn't a save opportunity, um, but that game was. A, there were a lot of positives to build off of. Uh, the the game three, the rubber match. It was like the Jays were just out of sync the entire game. Yeah, defensive bumbles all over the place. Yeah, it was like watching a Benny Hill uh, yeah. introduction theme. There were uh, there were two or three near collisions in the outfield, and then and then Grichik did run into into Marcus Amin at the in one of the plays too. Luckily, nobody was injured. But yeah, just some some boots, some bobbles in the outfield. Just yeah, not a great not a great game. <laughs> yeah, and I mean the game the the game was out of our reach. Uh, well, it was never really technically out of our reach, um, but it really hurt to have Matts uh, get bumped from the game so early. We had hoped that he would be able to get to uh, six, uh, but his strikeouts—that uh, strikeout pitch that he has, like the, the the heater, wasn't really working. It wasn't there. 
Uh, no, he got knocked around a lot, gave up two tacos, uh, and you can't win baseball games when you're giving up uh, multi-run knocks. Kind of sucked. Um, but some positives from that was that uh, Castro looked good. Uh, Meza came in. He did give up two hits but he, uh, and one run, but it was not earned. That was when the, the flubbing started. Yeah. <laughs> uh, CJ Edwards looked okay. Uh, Joel Pams did give up uh, a run on two hits, um, but that was still bulk relief. And Chatwood came in, got the strikeout. Uh, it was good to see him bounce back after two of the, the most difficult performances I've ever had to sit through from a reliever yeah. in a high leverage situation. <laughs> Those were rough, but we get to go to a guaranteed rate field in Chicago now to play the 36 and 23 White Sox, who are also off today as most of the league is. I think there's only a couple of teams who are playing. Uh, Boston's playing Miami, and I think the Cubs are playing San Diego and maybe Kansas City against the Angels or something like that. There aren't. There's only a handful of games, if that, tonight. Uh, so most of the league is off, which is a weird coincidence. But uh, looking at the Blue Jays starters for the three games, we've got Robbie Ray, Alec Manoa, and Hunjin Ryu lined up to start. The White Sox have only announced tomorrow's starter, and that is Carlos Rodon, who is currently five and two, with a 198 ERA, including a no hitter this season. Um, Robbie Ray's been great for us. He's been doing really well lately. Obviously, Manoa's had one great start and one not-so-great start, and then Ryu's going to be looking to bounce back. And uh, My money would be on Ryu to not have two rough starts in a row. He's just too good of a pitcher for that. We, we kind of did some looking before the show. We, we figure we might be in line to see uh, Dallas Keuchel and Lance Lynn. Those could be some guys that are on the radar for us. Uh, Dylan Cease and Lucas Giolito have pitched the last couple games for the Sox. So unless they... Uh, use the off day to skip a spot on the rotation. It could be it could be Keuchel and it could be uh, Lynn who and, and and Lynn's been dominant so far this season. So it's going to be a tough series. Obviously the White Sox are first in the Central right now, um, so it'll be a bit of a bloodbath in terms of offense. I think it'll be it'll be fun to see some of those those guys like Tim Anderson's always fun to to see and they've yeah. got young guys like Andrew Vaughn and of, of all people Billy Hamilton is playing really well for them right now, back in the league. So. Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting series. Um, I, I don't really want to make any predictions because I've been so wrong lately. I just want to let the series happen. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, I think the uh, Tuesday matchup is very uh, sexy and appealing. If you like pitching duels, uh, Robert Ray uh, will take the mound. He is a strikeout fiend. Um, I, I, I would argue he is our hottest starter right now. Uh, it should be interesting to see how he matches up against Rodon, who is an absolute beast, who I fear on the mound. Um, and then Manoa versus TBD. Could be Keiko, could be Lynn. I'd like to see him against Lynn just because I think it'd be interesting. Uh, iron sharpens iron and all. And then Ryu versus could be Keiko, could be Lynn. Uh, you're right. I don't think Ryu gets uh, whacked around quite as bad as last time. Uh, it does make me nervous that he has had some bad outings so far this year. He's supposed to be our ace. I wish he had a better record than he did, but that's not all on him because he still has a 3.23 ERA despite some rough outings. Right. Uh, he'll get that back under 2.6 uh, very quickly. 
Yeah, it's interesting to note that uh, just looking at the the weather forecast for Chicago, they are calling for some thunderstorms Tuesday uh, morning and afternoon with potential for rain in the evening. So that could be a game that maybe gets delayed or maybe doesn't happen. Uh, the rest of the week's looking pretty good there. It's it's reasonably warm, uh, mid seventies Fahrenheit, which is like low twenties Celsius. So it uh, looks like a decent uh, decent weather outlook. So I I don't see any risk of this series not getting all three games in. Um, but we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how how the Blue Jays rebound after giving up quite a few runs to the Astros. I mean a thirteen and a six. Uh, they give up twenty one runs in three games to to the Astros and only scored uh, ten themselves. So we could yeah. see the offense try to bounce back before the schedule starts to get a little easier after this week. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens when we get some Baltimore games on the schedule finally. Um, but that's really all we've got to talk about today. We'll try to get back with you guys uh, hopefully after the uh, after the the weekend is over. Give you an update on how the Jays fared this week. But for Patrick Marsh out in Halifax, it's Justin Anderson here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, saying see you next time.